You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hi everyone and welcome one, welcome all. You guys are listening to Changing Reality. So we're so thrilled to have you guys with us today on the show. Uh, Changing Reality is a show that is on WQHS Radio, Penn Student Run Radio. And every week we bring to you exciting new speakers from all over the world. So if this is your first time watching Changing Reality, is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who as the title suggests, are changing their own reality. So through the show, we'll be interviewing and hanging out with all kinds of people from social change makers, entrepreneurs, industry owners, um, uh, businessmen, to artists, musicians, thought leaders, uh, heads of product, um, C-suite executives, and inspiring individuals from all across the world, and many of them who spend some time here on the Penn campus as well. So by hearing these inspiring stories on how they are uh, changing the world around them in by changing their own lives, we hopefully will be able to figure out little nuggets of wisdom and be able to find out what their secrets are that we can apply in our own day-to-day lives to live the days or the careers that we want for ourselves. And I wanted to do this show simply because I believe like there are a lot of people out there who do phenomenal things, who make brilliant decisions and make waves in the lives of those around them. And I am personally super passionate about uncovering these stories and learning how people are changing the world in their own capacity through working on themselves. Because I believe that the world is run on stories and that it's through stories that we actually uh, learn the most valuable lessons about ourselves. And to just show you how much I believe in the power of stories, I actually personally founded and ran a youth movement called Ascendance. It started off back in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, but today collaborates with over 28 countries, um, our Ministry of Education back home, MNCs, nonprofits, and global organizations all across the world to provide an alternative education platform for any student who wants to change their reality. So we work with students from elementary all the way up to college through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves and the world around them through hands-on experiences. And after having those meaningful experiences, coming back and starting their own careers while they are still in school. And careers that not only impact themselves, but those around them as well. And to date, we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in 970 communities and have incubated countless number of student-run projects and social enterprises run by students aged 8 to 20 years old. And all of this has been possible because of stories, because of kind individuals who take their time to actually come and share their experiences with the kids we work with. And that has made the world of difference to them. It opens up their minds, it shows them how uh, the world works, and it shows them what could lie ahead in various different areas, in various different options that they can embark on. And just like that, I hope this show uh, serves as that same platform for each and every single one of you so that it can be the first step that you take towards creating your own reality, towards setting your own path. And that these stories that we hear through the show uh, sets that stage for you. So moving on to our speaker today, uh, we have someone who is definitely going to inspire us specifically on this topic of being able to figure out what your heart minds of trying things out. And our speaker today is none other than a product lead at 
Amazon shopping app on mobile and tablets. So he manages browse and navigation experiences for the number one shopping app in the app store. These include machine-based learning, uh, recommender system for content personalization, mobile UX experiences, and zero to one new products. As a thought leader at Amazon, he coaches teams on experiential, experiment, experimental design and A-B testing. And even outside of Amazon, he's involved with product school and a product mentor at Paragon One. So without further ado, let's welcome Kabir, the head of product brand shopping at Amazon. Hello. Hi, Kabir. How are you? Hi. Very well, Harsha. Nice to be here. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you're thank you for having me. So very excited to have you and speak to <laughs> thank you. your experiences. But I hope you're having a good day. Um, you're in Chicago now or in? Correct, exactly. I am in Chicago prior to which I was in San Francisco and Seattle. And, uh, and so recently moved to Chicago during COVID, um, uh, sort of actually experiencing my first Chicago winter. So that's quite an adjustment. Oh dear, I'm from a tropical country, so that would be my nightmare, I expect. But anyway, thank you for like agreeing <laughs> to do this interview. Uh, you're someone who has like a very inspiring story. And I think from like, our previous conversation, I was just blown away by your ability to listen to your heart, to try out new things. And I'm just so excited that we get to share that conversation with our audience. Your journey, even yeah, though you were very excited. Who, yeah, but you were someone who was definitely a superstar at Penn. But your journey in, in <laughs> no, no, really, like, I, I don't want to spoil it for our audience. So I'm not going to say anything, but like, you tried out so many different things at Penn. But that spirit of trying things out didn't actually start there, if I'm not mistaken. I think even prior to your time at Penn, when you were in high school, just finishing up, you also were someone who had many different experiences before even going and stepping foot on the Penn campus. So where does this journey of excitement, of exploration actually start for you? Sure, yes. You know, so I'll just give you a little bit about my background. So I grew up in India and uh, and uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, when I was sort of envisioning going to college, um, I had my eyes set on universities in England and that's where I was going to go to college, uh, uh, largely because that's where a lot of the elders, uh, my older sibling had gone there as well as a lot of other cousins. And so they had sort of paved the way for me. Uh, but fast forward to, you know, uh, at the end of high school, once I got my final grades from high school, um, it turns out that I had done much better than what I and others in my family expected. And so my older brother at that point suggested to me that why don't you take a year off, um, uh, take the SATs, uh, think bigger, or at least consider going to the US and uh, think about going to an Ivy League university uh, in the US. And I was definitely initially a little disheartened you know at 17 or 18 wanting to go to college and then suddenly suddenly thinking about that that dream is going to get pushed by a year can be a little disheartening but i really did understand the source of his wisdom and so i sort of decided to actually take him up on that and so this was a few weeks before i was supposed to fly out to college in england i decided that scrap that plan uh, we're going to take a year off and during that time, I will take the SATs, apply to college in the US and see if there's anything else in store for me. 
And so I ended up taking a gap year. This was not what I had intended at all. Uh, I, I, you know, this was this this was this was a game time decision that we made just a few weeks before college is supposed to start. And so enter the gap year. Uh, uh, I uh, I now looking back think that it was amongst the most fun years that I've had because I had I had only you know one agenda which was to take the SATs and apply to college. Everything besides that was for me to do the way I wanted. And so during that time, I traveled uh, in India, uh, uh, you know, quite a bit. Um, and then I ended up working at a uh, school. Uh, uh, in Delhi, which is where I'm from, and I taught English and math uh, to students that were from an underprivileged community. Um, I also ended up volunteering at a second nonprofit that was working uh, back then. This was about, you know, sort of 12, 13 years ago on the environment, which was still not as prevalent as it is today. Uh, and so, uh, and so I sort of actually did a bunch of different sort of activities to keep myself busy over the year. And, um, uh, and then eventually I, I you know, took the SATs, applied to college, was able to get into Penn. And that's when I decided that I'm going to come to America. Um, and that's when I joined, uh, uh, joined Penn. <laughs> All right, absolutely brilliant. And I I really love the idea of a gap year and taking a gap year. I took a gap year. My sister took five years of a gap year in a way. So definitely something that I champion. But I see like a lot of people often they try to rush in to go into college straight away, which I think is only natural when you're 17 and you want to like like go to the next <laughs> phase and you watch about it in TV and you're like, oh my goodness, now it's like I know. my one time to shine. How, what what was kind of like the the most meaningful part of that gap year? What do you think you learned from it that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten if you didn't take that year off? I think what I learned the most from it was that the idea that uh, life is a race is just something that I had told myself and I had allowed myself to believe. And I'll tell you why I say that. Um, you know, when I graduated high school, all of my friends went off to join college either in India or they went abroad, but everyone had sort of moved on to their next phase. Um, and 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 I hadn't. I was I I was I was not yet certain where I was going to college. It was still something that I was figuring out. And I realized over then and actually particularly after my gap year was done and I joined college, that I um, did did not necessarily have to go into college right away because there was a lot, actually a lot of learning that I experienced in that year that was off the treadmill of high school to college to a job. And I don't think I would have, have gained that perspective had I been on that treadmill and had I just been following the path that seemed so obvious to me at that time. And so actually stepping away just gave me a little bit more of a sort of, I would say, perspective, a new vantage point. So then when I came back, uh, I was very well aware uh, of, you know, why I was there. I, uh, I, it didn't seem like a very obvious uh, run-of-the-mill decision. It was a choice that I was making. And then the other thing I experienced was that I actually had certain amount of maturity that I didn't think my peers uh, actually possessed because I had taken the year off to sort of pursue either my own passion or been in scenarios or, or you know circumstances that they hadn't. And so I had 
grown in ways that a lot of people who don't end up taking you know a gap year don't have an opportunity to because they went from a environment of high school straight into a you know so into an academic environment of college and there was no transition allowed in the middle besides one or two months of the summer so for me gaining a new perspective getting that maturity uh is something that i think really helped me once i got to pen no no absolutely like i agree with that and i feel like sometimes um maybe not my peers at pen but i but i sometimes see other college students and i feel like they they, they don't see the impact of what they are learning or the application of it because they may not have had a prior experience where the application would have been needed. And I feel Correct. Like it really gives kind of like a space for us to really see, oh, this is the gaps in my knowledge as well. These are the things that I need to learn to be able to, to live the life that I want. And, and then you go to college much more hungrier for knowledge and a much more, um, I, I, as you said, mature, well aware of the world person. And exactly. knowledge experience all the more richer in my humble opinion. Exactly. I would agree. Yeah. I think that I think there's a certain amount of intentionality in your college experience that you're able to bring in because you understand the choices that you made. The you know the choice to to not join for a year and the choice to join where you eventually joined it was it was a lot more purposeful. Uh, you know, the decision rather than it just being default. No, very very well said. So. Moving on to your, your time at college, before we even get to college, you had to move halfway across the world uh, to and, and literally leave, I think, like like uh, like everyone you've known behind, start fresh in a campus, in a in a completely... <laughs> I was talking about it, that, that I think like Malaysia, India is literally halfway across. You couldn't go any further without yeah. coming back, in a sense. How was that experience as someone who was still a teenager or a young adult and having suddenly this responsibility and this very, very new experience? What, what was your experience with it? I'd say my experience of coming to Penn was 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 incredible. Well, you know, so when it comes to the orientation and when it comes to me uh, sort of fitting myself into life in Philadelphia, life in America uh, for a few reasons. One was, I think I just had a lot of excitement and passion about, about, you know, sort of uncovering what this new opportunity would, would, you know, bring for me. And so I was, I was very excited to, you know, sort of to pursue a good social life, to have, to sort of work hard academically, to try out all, all the sort of extracurriculars. Um, uh, and so there was a certain amount of sort of, you know, sort of desire for me to just jump into the deep end right away. That was one. I think the other uh, 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 sort of aspect that that also that I really benefited from was that this was around 2007 where Facebook was just kicking off, and and this was a time when when everyone had had you know once you had sort of actually gotten accepted into college there were all of these groups getting made for your class year and people had started interacting with each other virtually and so there was a certain amount of excitement that had also just been just been sort of pent up because of that because you had been interacting with a few people uh uh you know sort of virtually that you were now getting to meet and so and so there was a lot of uh in my view excitement from that angle of just who am i gonna see am i gonna you know so meet the people that i've been interacting with online etc i think for me a third element of sort of excitement was also 
the idea that I was going to get to meet people from all over the world. Uh, and that's one of the biggest benefits that Penn offers is such incredible diversity when it comes to international students. Uh, I got to meet people from parts of the world that I hadn't traveled to, but also I didn't really know very much about. And so got to experience their culture, got, you know, realized how we may be similar in so many ways. Um, and, 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 so, and so I was quite excited. I think I will say, though, at the same time, there were definitely some things that I had to learn. Uh, one is just a, actually so logistically life in the U.S. requires you to be doing different things as, you know, certain amount of independence that has to come in, managing your own food, managing, managing your own, how, you know, sort of, sort of, uh, 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 sort of being a fully grown adult is something that, that definitely takes time. I had to learn how all the laundry machines worked and, and, and you know, all of that aspect. Uh, and then I think there was also a certain amount of adjustment academically, uh, because uh, how 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 the education system in India is built is slightly different. Uh, there's very heavy emphasis on STEM subjects and science and math, but not as much emphasis on writing. And so that was something that I had to adjust to when I first joined Penn, is I didn't have, uh, 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 you know, the same level of writing skills that a lot of my other uh, appears in the classroom did even though I you know I had probably very strong math and, and 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 sort of science skills and so and so that was an adjustment I had to very quickly uh you know sort of realize that that's a gap that I had and I'm and I'm happy to tell you about how I used uh, a writing for the Daily Pennsylvanian as a way to improve my own writing but but uh and so there was you know sort of I would say a general spectrum that I had to that I had to go through a lot of excitement about what Penn had to offer at the same time a lot of learning uh, based on my background and 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 how and how life in India was versus life in the U.S. Very very interesting, and I like how you touched on kind of like leveraging on the many different things that Penn does to improve gaps that you may have had. And I think that that's one of the extremely crazy things about your story in a good way is that you tried so many different things. Like, like you wrote for the Daily, you really wrote for the Daily Pennsylvania. I think you did a semester abroad in France. Uh, you did subjects like I think that, that I have never heard of. And I honestly didn't know that it was even offered like Egypt, uh, Egyptian, uh, I can't pronounce Egyptianology, <laughs> cinematic, like cinematic, I knew one, but like, very very diverse set of things that you actually tried out what what actually made you want to kind of like pick all of these different things and, and kind of like have a sample of all of that um, instead of just picking one thing that you really really uh thought that let me hone down let me focus on this one thing uh, i mean i'm a fan of the diversity of experiences but from your point of view what, why did you choose to do that so I joined uh, Penn uh, in the College of Arts and Sciences, and so I was a liberal arts student. And I think the the number one, by far, the number one benefit of the liberal arts is the breadth of subject matter that they allow you to pursue. And I don't think I fully understood that when I first joined Penn. And how that really struck to me, and it now probably sounds like a dated concept, but in 2007, when I had joined, uh, every semester, Penn would publish a booklet. Uh, and, and actually, this is a booklet, you know, so which was a course manual. I don't know if it's still uh, sort of printed anymore or if it's entirely electronic, but back then it was printed. And I remember... Uh, you know, the first time I did this, but after that, I actually did this every semester. But the first time I did it, I remember my eyes were just wide open, was I would take a highlighter and literally go through 
the entire manual cover to cover, highlighting every course that sounded interesting to me. I didn't know how it would add up into my major. I didn't know which requirements or not it met. I purely just applied the lens of what sounded interesting to me. So my first semester at college, uh, I applied that same principle. And my first semester, my courses were exactly that. I took a course in actually uh, Egyptian history on the life of Cleopatra. Then I took a, a course in filmmaking. Then I took one course in geology. Um, and then over the course of my time, I took courses in anthropology. I took and then I also eventually uh, uh, got myself a dual degree at Wharton. And so I, I also started balancing uh, courses at Wharton. And so, uh, but, but the foundation of all of this was really just, just uh, my eyes were opened with how much diverse education was possible at Penn. Subjects that I didn't even know existed, subjects that I didn't even know were taught. Uh, uh, and so that got me very excited and, and sort of uh, Ever since then, um, you know, I did, I did, I did, I did samba, which is sort of uh, Brazilian um, music. I, you know, so I did a course in that. I did a course in human sexuality. I remember I, I did courses in uh, how do multi, how should multinational corporations navigate? There's a political uncertainty in countries, which was a mixture of sort of political science and business. And so these subjects were just. Uh, so eye-opening to me. And that's what I would recommend all students to do is that it's very easy to go into college with a narrow lens and then view the course book or the courses offered from that narrow lens. Uh, uh, don't do that because the whole point of Penn or going to a similar university is that is that, uh, is that they're giving you a, you know, a sort of a sort of plethora of options to pick from, and the whole purpose of that is to expand your idea, you know, your your sort of knowledge of what's possible, what could interest you. Uh, even though I did so many different subjects, I still think that I wish, I, you know, sort of I had done some more. I wish I had studied some more philosophy. I wish I had studied some more computer science. There is just everywhere. I feel like I was very broad with my education, and I still have a desire for more. And I think the, uh, uh, you know, sort of in my view, uh, someone who is able to leverage all of that diverse options at Penn is taking full advantage of why Penn invests so much money in, in you know, running all of these different departments. Okay. As I said, a very like I love that take, and you also did like very like outside of your classes. You traveled, you wrote, you did so many other things <laughs> that I think it's, it's amazing that you had so much time to do like this whole vast yeah like, like, like crazy. You know, yeah. Yes, you know, I was I was uh, sort of part of that same curiosity and part of that same idea that there's so many opportunities open to me. Also, uh, also um uh, uh you know allowed me to pursue a lot of extracurricular hobbies and so as i mentioned uh, to you earlier that that i didn't think that my writing skills were strong enough and so i i uh, uh, uh i you know and so at those career fairs that happen every semester i learned about the daily pennsylvanian and within my first semester i thought uh, let me try because i learned how to write better perhaps and i ended up writing uh uh, you know, at the DP for a few years. Then I also joined a lot of different clubs, uh, a few clubs in Wharton, a few clubs in the college. I also went to study abroad, uh, yes, in 
you know, in France, um, uh, one summer I threw Penn through, uh, through this club that was back then called PIBD, Penn International Business Ventures, uh, went to Bolivia to do an internship at a microfinance bank. Um, and one summer I stayed at Penn doing research with a professor in Wharton on the luxury goods industry in Asia. Uh, one summer I went to Dubai and I worked for Google there. And and uh, and I also in in you know, sort of in the middle of all of that, I also did an internship at the Times of India, which is the world's largest newspaper. That was right after my my time at the DP, when 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 you know, so journalism was something that I wanted to pursue more. And 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 so that was you know sort of very similar to how I spoke about uh, that course book that I used to read cover to cover. I loved those career fairs for that same reason. You got to see all of the clubs that were there. You got to, you know, meet people that were from the clubs. I remember I would go to the first meeting of so many clubs, and then I would eventually trim it down to the ones that I was interested in. But I was also just curious to understand what are all of these topics, uh, you know, that people are passionate about, 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 about sort of leading, and then towards the uh, yeah, towards the tail end, you know, actually of my time at Penn. I didn't think that my public speaking skills were very good. I, that's also something that I wanted to work on. I wasn't very confident talking uh, to a large group. And so I became a tour guide. And so I, I, I ended up getting a job at the admissions office. And I used to take tours of 20 to 50 people every day, showing them around Penn. And that was an incredible you know, a sort of a mechanism for me to to actually improve my own communication skills and my own public speaking skills to, uh, to be able to talk to a large audience every day. So those are just sort of a handful of, of, the, uh, of the lots of activities that I did at Penn, uh, but it was all something that I enjoyed very thoroughly. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I think like, I think that you did not waste a second of time and you definitely, <laughs> no, I'm you, you definitely inspire me to, to try more things out. And I feel like that's something that many people fear in a way at times. It's like they fear going to a new place. They fear doing too many things. They fear um, trying something that they are not good at. So a lot of times fear stops us from actually making the most and maximizing yeah. the kind of like experiences that we have. How do you kind of like combat that fear and adding on to kind of like that question, why should we? Why should we do all of these many experiences and all of that? Well, what's the biggest like 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 change in your life of having seen all of these different places and having tried so many different things and now working on one specific thing in a way? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question, and I think uh, you know sort of actually particularly because I think a lot of people by default use fear as the way to make decisions fear of missing out, fear of not being liked by someone else, fear of, you know, sort of falling behind exactly what I was talking about, uh, you know, so falling behind from my classmates. And so uh, uh, taking any sort of decision from a basis of fear means that you're allowing external stimuli, either external people or so external circumstances to sort of dictate your behavior. And I think that I've realized that that is a narrow way of thinking because no one on the outside necessarily knows what's right for you uh, your friends don't know what's right for you your coworkers don't know what's right for you and so making any choices based on fear of either what they think or what they say or what you'll miss out on 
allows them to have an uh, and I would say a sort of uh, uh, excessive amount of influence on one's life. So instead of, of sort of using fear as a way to make decisions, I've used curiosity as the way to make decisions. And I'll tell you why, for two reasons. One is that I don't think I had a very good idea of what I enjoyed doing or what I was good at. And the only way that I got to that answer is by throwing a lot of darts at the dartboard trying out a lot of things and seeing what sticks. Once I identified that, I had so much more conviction in that, that I could double down and I could do it much better than a lot of other people could do. And so what it allowed me to do is sort of actually curiosity allowed me to identify what I'm good at and then develop the conviction that I don't need to make a decision out of fear because I know what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. And so how about I focus on that and not worry about everything else? So that's sort of the one benefit that I see, you know, that for me was was the whole purpose of why going broad, exploring and being curious benefits. The other is that the ground under, you know, underneath us is going to be forever changing. What I was studying when I graduated 10 years ago in college is probably not what you will study in your courses today. And so, uh, and so, but that means that even after you graduate and as I progress in my career, things will constantly be changing. Having that sense of curiosity, you know, more than anything gives me the confidence that I have the ability to learn and jump into new domains as I want, whenever I want, without the fear that I won't understand or that I'm not good enough, et cetera. And that's important because the rate of change in our world is so fast that if you narrow yourself, uh, you know, sort of, it's sort of good to specialize, but if you, if you mentally narrow yourself down that this is what I'm good at and that's what I'm gonna stick to, then you may not realize that the world around you is changing and that you aren't being able to adapt. And so having that, that sort of foundation of curiosity help me identify what I'm good at, but more than anything, it also gives me the confidence that tomorrow if I need to change that, I can because I trust my instincts and I trust my knowledge and I trust my ability to work hard because I have done so in the past as well. I've entered domains that I didn't know anything about. I did courses that I, I had zero knowledge about and I worked hard and I prevailed. And I think there's a certain amount of confidence that comes from that uh, that I really benefit from. That is an absolutely phenomenal answer. And I really, really, really loved how you illustrated kind of like the difference between listening to external stimuli and kind of like combating that by listening to your innate curiosity instead and how you really fleshed out how that curiosity shaped in a way your, your, your outlook on life, your confidence, your ability to get things done. And I think that that's such a good advice for everyone out there who's lost or fearful or not sure what to do next. So definitely something that <laughs> I think is a gem of, of, of knowledge in a way. But again, the, the, I, uh, echoing back to kind of like the point you mentioned about listening to external stimuli, that comes in also so many other ways. Um, it's very, very easy to get swept up in the masses and, and what other people are saying or what's trending or what's fun at that point of time. How do you like, like I, how was your experience, especially kind of like in your time leaving Penn? knowing that uh, many of these, yeah. because it's a nice place, they give you a lot of options, a lot of things to try out. The real world, you have to search for them yourself and not exactly have it in a course catalog or a course fair where you can actually go and check it out. 
how was kind of like your experiences figuring out what were your steps after Penn? Were you also, um, was it easy to still stick away from the masses or did you also have some trouble with that like many of us do? Yeah, I would say that that it's completely normal to to be influenced by the world around you. I think it's more so that it's important to to you know you know to actually come to that realization when that's happened. So perhaps you can course correct. And I'll give you a great example. Exactly, this is what happened to me when I when I left Penn. So. Um, uh, I graduated Penn with a dual degree. I was in the college as well as Wharton. In the college, I studied development economics. And in Wharton, I um, I actually studied organizational behavior, which was a uh, sub-concentration within management. And so why I'm saying that is that I, I did not study finance uh, in Wharton. And it wasn't really a subject that I was as interested or passionate in. Why I say that is that is that going with the tide and going with the wave, I ended up taking a finance job when I graduated college. I think it was more so uh, uh, driven by uh, the ease with which there was on-campus hiring. So many of my friends around, you know, around me were doing it. They were passionate and they were excited about it. And so I thought that maybe there is something that I'm missing or there is some, there is some part of finance that I haven't seen that 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 I am that I am that I don't have the same gusto the way they do. And so I thought, OK, I think I should go try it out. These jobs are available on campus um, uh, uh, and, and, you know, everyone around me is doing it. Um, uh, and. And I think that that uh, and, and so and so I, I eventually uh, uh, joined finance and I took a job doing doing valuation of debt and equity securities uh, in into Washington, D.C. Uh, and the reason why I had moved to D.C. actually, that was a more intentional choice. D.C. I moved because because coming from my development economics background, I had always wanted to work at a, uh, a multinational or, you know, sort of you know, so, uh, organization like the World Bank or or the or the IMF, et cetera. And I thought that going to DC, I'll have exposure to that world and I'll, and you know perhaps I'll be able to understand if that's something that I'm passionate about. Uh, but finance was not something that I was particularly passionate about. And and I remember I joined the job and I don't think I was that particularly good at it because A, I didn't have the necessary skill sets, I had not studied much finance in school. And B, I don't think I was just generally not that interested in the subject matter. And so my willingness to work hard was definitely not uh, comparable to a lot of my peers who were passionate and who had the skill sets. And so this is about a year and two months into my job. I remember coming back home from work and, and I had called my parents and my parents said, you know, you don't sound uh, as optimistic or as excited as you normally are. Uh, and so there's something that seems amiss. And I said, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, uh, this is how I feel after I leave work every day. I didn't know I'm supposed to feel any other way because I've never had, a, you know, so any other full-time job. I thought this is what, what it is when you have a career. And that's when my parents said that that's not, you know, you know, quite it, that you have to reflect you, that uh, uh, my tone actually communicated to them that I wasn't in love with what I was doing. And that was the first time someone on the outside had told me, actually, it's okay not to like your job uh, and you don't have to be, be sort of be, you know, uh, you know, accept what you're in uh, uh, just because that, 
that happens to be a first job out of college and that everyone else in your class was doing. And so this was a year and a few months after. And and uh, and I'll just reference. I had mentioned that I worked at Google when I when I was at Penn. Um, uh, uh, and I realized that I really liked the environment at Google. I had really liked the environment at Google. I wasn't that passionate about the work because because it was around ads, uh, but I really liked the culture. It was a very relaxed culture, very unlike finance, which was uptight and 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 not not in line with how I. Uh, you know, sort of the casualness with Not which the I best, like to curious people either <laughs> finance exactly. exactly. So, so, so then I sort of you know eventually realized, okay, I think I should go back to the tech industry because I was much happier there when it comes to at least my everyday surroundings, even if I didn't like the actual work at Google. That's how I, I eventually found my way at Amazon, uh, and since and now I've been at Amazon for nine years. Uh, absolutely loved, you know, love my time at Amazon. And and so, you know, that's all in all, it just goes to show that it's completely okay to get swept up with the tide. I think it happens to all of us. Uh, however, at the same time, I was lucky enough uh, that, you know, that my parents flagged that to me and that I had to reflect and I had to course correct very quickly. Uh, and so whenever that, you know, that opportunity comes, make that choice. Don't allow your, what I often say, and I also say to my team now, don't suffer in silence. Uh, you know, if something, if you aren't enjoying something, uh, there is there is there is a world of people who can help you who have who have who have answers to questions that you may have and so go out and seek those i a year out of college in my view was actually suffering in silence and that was identified to me by my parents and so and so uh, and so that's how i landed in my you know so in the current tech industry i now do product management at uh, at Amazon, which is that I build uh, uh, experiences for Amazon's shopping apps on iPhone and Android. And interestingly enough, the core reason why I love product management uh, is because the foundation of it is a lot of it is psychology. And that's what I had studied when I did organizational behavior at Penn. And so it's a complete sort of circle that I apply my knowledge from Penn, uh, uh, you know, in a very indirect way um uh and i and i and i sort of use that now uh to build experiences for shoppers and customers that is absolutely out of this world and very very powerful i feel like many times maybe it's because many of us are not familiar with how having a job that your role that we are passionate about is that we just think oh all right as you said Maybe this is just how the working world is. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us because I think that many people in that situation hopefully listen to this and, and snap out of their funk and start realizing what they what actually could await them. When you started looking right. back at, all right, I, I made this decision in finance. Maybe it's not the best decision for me. Where can I go to next? How do I get into tech? Many people would often just go, oh, no, I've already decided in finance. Um, I can't jump another industry right now. How do you go about thinking or approaching kind of like a new like chapter or something that was completely different from what you were currently doing? Or did you rely on kind of like previous curiosity experiences? Was it something completely new that you started? How did you go about kind of like meandering the whole career path that you had? Yeah, I think before 
you know, I even answer your question. I think there is a baseline mental model that it's important to accept and that and that and that I live by and that I would, you know, encourage others to at least think about, which is that believing that 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 you're not on a race. Uh, there is no there is, you know, you don't have to look at the person next to you and see that are they doing the same thing that I'm doing? Have they achieved the same thing that I have? Everyone is on their own path. Why I'm saying that is that one of the fears that people have when they are pivoting their careers is that, oh, I think I'll have to start over if I go there, or I think I'll be taking a few steps back. And I think that is that assumes that it's a very linear, straight line type of a life when that's not the case at all. Plenty of people, even in you know your classmates, 10 years from now, some would have chosen to take a break from their, you know, from their careers. Some would have completely pivoted their careers. Some are very happy and comfortable in, you know, their first choice and are happy about that. And, I, you know, people are leading their life in seven billion ways. And <laughs> understanding that really helps because, because, again, it sort of goes back to the fear that I'll get left behind, which is often a reason why people don't want to make drastic changes. I personally am actually very comfortable with the time that I spent in in finance and the lesson that I learned, because I think it's a lesson that I learned very early on in my career that has served me ever since, because I think about that every time I'm making my next choice or my next, you know, sort of my next decision. So I often do sort of actually encourage people to take a critical lens because these lessons are much easier and have much less impact when they're made early on in their career rather than than you know sort of when they're made later on and so don't allow the belief that you know that i've always told myself that i'm that i'm interested in subject x and so i don't want to look beyond that because that shatters the the belief of the you know what i've always told myself and it shatters my world and now I, you know i am i am sort of have to have to answer this question again i think having that mindset prematurely narrows you and then doesn't allow you to see what else could be out there that you may be happier about because you just think that i have doubled down on this choice and so that's what i would i would i would sort of encourage uh, folks to do there are there are a lot of people who are very happy with their choice as well and i would you know definitely encourage them to do that but uh, for those who think that they are not as happy as they could be, uh, don't be fearful to make that you know, transition or the change or at least talk to the right people about how to come to that answer rather than just telling yourself that I don't even want to raise the question because I feel that I'll either get left behind or you know, this, this shatters what I've always known about myself. Okay. Another very hard hitting point. I I loved how you said that, that, especially how you ended it on don't be afraid to just shatter what you know about yourself. Because that, that, <laughs> I feel like many times you've been like, I already decided this. This is what I'm going to do. Like, I've committed to this. More, like, and, and that kind of like limits them from looking beyond. You also mentioned how you, exactly. you were having this moment of introspection. You looked at which company culture that you appreciated most, that you kind of like thrived in the most. When, yes. like in in when you when you went over to Amazon, what do you think were the elements of that company culture that resonated with your personality and enabled you to grow there? Sure. I think um, 
a few things about about Amazon, and I, I think maybe I'll just extrapolate to companies like Amazon um, uh, uh, that may, or you know, so or rather the the things that that attracted me. Uh, one was the idea that um, once you're in the company, there is a lot expected out of you when it comes to uh, you know, you're given a very large piece of the business to manage. And so there is high responsibility, but there's also high trust that you can handle it. That's why you were brought in in the first place. And so there is, there is, you know, sort of, uh, it's a, it's a mixture of giving you the reins to succeed while at the same time having a very good, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, safety net available to you if you need help. And what that allows you to do is that it just really allowed me to to sort of allow uh, my thinking to develop and and go wild uh, because I didn't think I, I had any constraints on top of me, but I had a very good safety net underneath me if I needed help. If I, if I, if I, you know, if I didn't do well, I wouldn't so I wasn't being being you know left to dry. Uh, uh, I think that was very important to me. So it's, you know, someone having the belief that I can do it, plus giving me something that's sizable that I wanted to manage, and and I was managing, uh, uh, uh you know, so a large, uh, so I was managing a multi-million dollar business when I when I when I joined Amazon, uh, you know, a year and a half after college, and I don't think too many places would, you know, would have given someone, uh, with that limited work experience, that type of of you know, sort of scope, uh, to be able to do. That was. I think number two was that um, uh, what I liked about Amazon was it was a generally a very go-getter entrepreneurial environment where people wanted to to make things work. There was there was you know there was a hunger to say yes to things to make it happen rather than try to unnecessarily block or be a, or you know add hurdles etc. And what that also means is that there's no playbook, you know, by which things had to be done. There was no playbook by which you had to, behave, you know, function. There was no playbook to how you had to make decisions. You were allowed that, allowed that autonomy, and 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 that uh, that was I did not realize something that I was really craving because the environment that I was coming from was extremely structured. Uh, when you're, you know, when you're in a client-facing role in finance, things have to be done by a very pre-mandated manner. Clients are expecting things to be done in this particular way. The firm has always done things in, in you know, so this particular way. And so there your, your role is mainly to understand what are the processes and the steps that have been done in the past and how to do those in the most efficient way possible. There is, there is, there is, no, uh, there is no need to question or to be thinking about something new because this has worked very well. And I think that was, you know, you know exactly the opposite of how Amazon was. And that was a lot more attuned with my personality because my mind, uh, as as sort of you know I explained, was going all over the place as it always has, and and I didn't I felt constrained, uh, you know, sort of uh, ha, you know having to do work through through a list of do's and don'ts. Very very well said. And you also started I think there in vendor management for one of their 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 particular departments, and you grew to being the person creating the customer experiences in an overall scale. Which is very something very very attuned to your skill set, your learn your love of learning, your flexibility, your your very uh, broad experience. I think all of that make you extremely like, like the right person to be the one curating these experiences and and seeing what the customer uh, interacts with. I think that's a very good fit. 
But when you first started, that wasn't exactly your role. So how did you go about kind of like growing in your career and moving up into a role that became that started to more and more match the skills that you had? How did you make sure that yeah. that was kind of like the trajectory you were heading into? Yeah, of course. So, you know, when you join any organization, you join in a particular role, uh, whether you join finance or consulting or, or you know, or you join tech, uh, but you join for, for, you know, one specific role. That's what you've been hired for. But the organization actually has all types of roles. There are people that are doing program management, there are people doing HR, there are people doing finance, there are people doing recruiting, there are people. So there are all of these functions exist, even though you've been brought in for one specific function and and i think that that uh, when i got to amazon that's when i saw the breadth of functions that you know that people do when i first joined amazon i was a vendor manager which is that i looked after the pnl uh, of one of amazon's businesses and that in particular i was looking after a portion of amazon's pet products business so i used to work with vendors like nestle and your procter and gamble that sold pet products on amazon and i worked with them on how to grow their business on amazon i did that for about a you know about a year and a half to two years and then i realized that i actually you know the you know amazon has a lot of other things going on amazon is also building tablets and amazon is is you know uh, uh, there also has a supply chain uh, uh, you know sort of business happening and so i then as always allowed myself to go broad and i uh, uh, spoke to a lot of people at the company just tried to understand what are the different roles you know what are they doing in their jobs and that's how i eventually realized that i wanted to 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 learn more about product management and how our user experience is built uh you know i play with an app on my phone how is that app actually built uh who who sort of makes these decisions so i pivoted my uh, role at amazon and i first uh, uh, so right after I did vendor management for about a year, I became a program manager on a design team. This was a user, a UX, you know, UX design team. I knew absolutely nothing about design. Um, and I remember when I was having an internal conversation, which was kind of an interview with the hiring manager. He, all he did to me, he gave me an iPad and he said, look at Amazon's app on this iPad. What do you like about it and what you don't like about it? And I just told him, everything that i thought as a customer i thought oh this button looks a little too big or you know this is so small i ha i have to tap three times to try to you know to to be able to tap on it that's not a good experience and so and so he said okay you know that's great that means that you, that you have a design eye or, or you know that that you can think from the customers lens and he was willing to take a bet on me and so i did i did program management on that design team for a year and then and then after that year, I, I again sort of uh, uh, went, wait, you know, went and met people and said, okay, I've learned a lot about design, but now I want to do more, more on the business side, you know, which is which, I, sort of which is what my background is, and that's how I landed on product management, which is, uh, you know, I, I sort of envision and build experiences, uh, uh, you know, and I think about what the customer needs, and I work with UX designers, and I work with engineers, and a whole bunch of other stakeholders. Um, and and I realized that the the key reason why I was able to do my you know why I was able to perform the way I did on that design team was because UX designers use some very fundamental uh, actually principles of psychology, many of which I was already aware of from my time at Penn. 
even though I had never studied design, I did not know anything about, about you know, so user interfaces, but the psychology of a customer, what are their joys and their frustrations that they're experiencing in that moment is something that I could empathize with because I had studied organizational behavior at Penn. And so, and so again, through meandering, I landed at I know, product management. And that is something that I absolutely fell in love with because I got to flex my business muscle. I got to flex my muscle of, of you know, driving customer empathy. And I got to work with uh, like a lot of these other stakeholders. Um, and I ended up being very good at it. And so, and so uh, I, uh, that's when I sort of, you know, realized that that's what I want uh, I want to double down on. I've been doing that for about seven or eight years now, and 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 I and and I now lead a product team that builds uh, big portions of Amazon's app. Brilliant, brilliant, and I and I you you've made me feel extremely um, confident in my positive psych major now. But um, I I think <laughs> my fellow psychology majors are going to definitely love everything. But for everyone, I think there's something huge to be able to take away from that and the way that you've crafted your career. And then, uh, final question on the career front. In your role, as you mentioned, there's so many people that essentially are managed by you, report to you, that you have to bring together in order to come up with essentially one single product that is used by millions of people with different thoughts, different opinions. So on one side, you're navigating what a whole wide audience is expecting. And on the other side, you're coordinating the, the creative differences between designers and programmers and coders and engineers <laughs> and a business, the business side. And I'm sure the, the other aspects of it as well. How do you bring everyone together in a sense? How do you make sure everyone stays focused on the singular vision? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, I'll expand your question sort of in my response to be even even someone who doesn't work in tech or also doesn't work in product management. And the simple answer is that um, you have to communicate the why that we're all doing this to everyone on the team and make sure that they fully understand the why. In sort of Amazon and in my world, what that means is that I we have to constantly bring to the attention of everyone that we have that this is what the customer wants. This is what we're doing for the end shopper or the end user. And so in every interaction and in every meeting where there may be conflict, it's very important to constantly resurface that we're not having this conflict for you or for me. We're having this conflict to be able to get to a final outcome of what we think is right for the end shopper or the end customer. So keep your eye on the ball, which is that is the goal. The goal is not, is not, you know, our egos in this room. The goal is not trying to prove who's right. The goal is trying to do right for, you know, what we think the end customer needs. That message uh, in my environment works really well. But in any environment, you know, the role of the leader is to constantly be able to communicate the vision of why we're all here. So it's not everyone's interpersonal dynamics that is a source of their motivation, but instead the purpose, the why is their source of motivation. Uh, and I think that that allows me as a leader to make sure that the that the motivation is not wavering because, because we're not doing this for for the handful of people that are in the room. We're you know we're doing this for the millions, hundreds of millions of customers out there that that sort of interact with our product. 
and the same principle applies to you know to every business that the that the business that you know that the leader needs to constantly focus on the vision and the why and make that the source that motivates everyone uh, you know to uh, to sort of uh, to uh, you know you know to actually resolve their differences and sort of you know so exactly what you said look past their creative differences for for you know something that's bigger beyond themselves the the amount of thought that you've put into kind of like bringing them together is is truly out of this world and i will definitely appreciate the amazon app a lot more whenever i use it just <laughs> and Thank knowing the, the work that you put in rallying everyone together and the focus that everyone has in in providing the best service for us the end users so thank you so much and thank as you we so want much to no, and, and as we want to wind down this conversation, one more thing that I wanted to touch on is you're also someone who gives back a lot to the community, um, the pen community specifically. I think you recently even started a named scholarship uh, fund for um, student or female students, particularly in India, who want to study at Penn, which is something that is, I think, very, very like heartwarming to hear that you actually are giving back to kind of like the people who uh, maybe we, we might need the experiences that you had, but might not be in the position to get them themselves. So why, in your opinion, is it important to give back? And maybe you can share a little bit about how you're doing that uh, with some of the initiatives you're doing with Penn and maybe even outside. Sure. You know, I think that uh, my, my desire to give back uh, has been something that my parents encouraged in us uh, from a very young age. When I was in sort of middle school, I remember I used to go to the blind school um, in in Delhi, which was a school for the blind, and I used to record books for them uh, in an audio room. And and my parents always said that 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 so certain times in your life you'll have time to offer, certain times in your you know in your life you'll have skills to offer, certain times in your life you may have money to offer, whatever you can offer to the world. Uh, it'll only come back to you in, you know, multifold. And so that's a general principle I had. Even while I was at Penn, I, you know, I was part of the Big Brother, uh, Big Sister program in, you know, West Philadelphia. I used to mentor students at at sort of schools in West Philly. I was a tutor. Um, like I mentioned during during my study, uh, sorry, during my gap year, I, I sort of taught at a school. I've always just enjoyed uh, uh, believing that there is something that I can do that can make someone else's life better, I think that uh, that gives me the motivation uh, to you know work hard in, in into whatever I'm doing because it sort of makes me believe that I'm not just doing it for myself. So fast forward to today, uh, uh, this is something that I encourage uh, you know all all graduates of Penn if they're in a financial position to do so. Uh, Penn allows you to uh, have a named scholarship. Uh, which is something that lives in perpetuity under your name, and it is given to students that meet the criteria that you've established. And so, my wife and I wanted to do this, um, and and uh, and we decided that we that we wanted to support students, uh, female students from India. And so now we have a named scholarship that is given every year to a female student from India. And 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 the reason why I chose to do this with Penn is because I think. Penn was such a pivotal time in you know in my life that it it you know it made me appreciate uh, 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 sort of appreciate my over intellectual curiosity and it fed me uh, uh, to my heart's content 
you know, with 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 you know resources, knowledge, and people that could fuel that curiosity. And and when this opportunity came uh, to perhaps be able, you know, to to sort of give that experience to someone else, I very quickly jumped on it because uh, I felt that if pen can change someone else's life, even slightly as it has changed mine, uh, that you know, you know, that person will probably go out and do great things in the world. And so, uh, and so, I wanted to support that. I wanted to uh, sort of encourage the mission that Penn has, which is which is to send out leaders in the world with very, very broad ways of thinking. And uh, and so very excited to be able to support this. And I would encourage, uh, uh, you know, Penn students uh, whenever, uh, sorry, Penn alumni, whenever they can in their life uh, to sort of consider doing so because we would have all grown a lot from Penn and there are plenty of people that also deserve the, you know, the, the, the opportunity to grow but may not have the financial means to do so. And I don't want someone's, someone's lack of financial means to be the reason why they can't grow the same way that you or I may have. Absolutely brilliant. And to end us off, what is your final message for students out there? Something that we can all just take away and remember um, to encapsulate your message and your journey that you've shared with us today. I think my, my you know, looking back, at my time at Penn, and if I were telling my my sort of freshman year self, uh, I the number one message that I want to tell myself back then, but it's also something that I that I that I want to tell myself today, is that you have to fundamentally believe that life is not a race. Uh, the journey is the destination. Happiness is not when you get to a particular point, but happiness is enjoying who you are every day, and and sort of telling yourself that I'm making choices that make my, you know, that make me happy today. And I'm not putting happiness something that is if I achieve X, if I achieve an X grade, if I get a Y job, if I if I go to place Z, those are not sources of happiness. Uh, you know, making choices every day, uh, being, being happy and proud of oneself is, you know, uh, uh, sort of what we should be aspiring for and not and don't allow and you know pen and very very similar sort of you know institutions that bring together uh, smart uh, very ambitious people suffer from the same problem of of too many people wanting to look at what their neighbor is doing to be the source of guiding their own choice and i think that's just a very myopic way of thinking uh, the fact that you're at pen means that your worst case scenario is better than than most people in this world's best case scenario. And so just keep that context and you will appreciate life a lot more if you allow yourself the liberty to make choices for yourself and not the external world. That would be my only message. No, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's a beautiful one that all of us probably can definitely take to heart and, and recognize how blessed we are for not only the opportunities around us, but for the ability and the, the space to exploit and really to use that as our sense of motivation and our sense of inspiration in what we want to do next. So this has been one of the most fun conversations and mind-blowing conversations that I've had. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Thank, thank you so much for having me, Harsha. It was great to be here. 
and uh, and you're also doing great things by you know bringing together so many diverse people and giving and you know allowing them a platform to share their perspective with Penn students. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And once again, um, if you guys enjoyed today's show, please send your love for our speaker in the comments so we can let him know how much we appreciate his story. And thank you guys all for watching as well. I hope you learned as much as I did from today's conversation. And once again, this has been Changing Reality. We're on every Thursday at 10 p.m. So thank you guys for watching and see you again next week. Bye. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.